Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to keep the important names hidden as I tell this story. The integrity of the Doggy Witness Protection Program depends upon it. Suffice it to say that some years ago, my sweetie and I had a little little house that was pet-friendly. We'll just call it that. She worked at a veterinary office and helped out these sick little critters and just loved animals. She was a great softie when it came to them. She would rescue the truly needy doggy or cat and find them new homes. Or sometimes she would save the truly psychopathic animals like Whitey, the cat that she brought home to stay with us. Whitey lived with us for years and had more nastiness poured into one feline body than you could imagine. And that's saying something. Now, he had his reasons, because he was kept in a cage on the premises of this clinic as the blood donor cat. He was a stray. Someone had dropped him off one day in front of the clinic. So they just kept him and put him in a cage. And when another cat came in and needed blood, before, during, or after her surgery, the call went out, grab Whitey. So he didn't like men in particular, because they were the ones pulling the blood from him or humans in general as a result. Anyway, Whitey had his issues. And he was a little upset with the world, I guess. I guess you got to say. So uh, he came to our house to stay with us. We would all be lying in bed, and I'd reach over to pet his stiff white hair, and he would open me up. <laughs> that boy. Anyway, he was... Uh, he was he was something we had. I remember one time him and a uh, black cat came over and, and there was just this fur action of white and black rolling down the stairs of our porch. Um, so he uh, he patrolled the place, fought off the other critters, and uh, I I kept my distance from him. I kept a respectful distance from Whitey. Now this was back in the seventies, and where we lived in Portland was uh, sort of. Uh, mixed residential industrial part of town right near the railroad tracks you'd hear the trains mating at night crashing into one another and one of our close neighbors was a two-story tall tilt-up concrete wall but it was you know it was where I started my my woodworking was down in the basement and everyone's got to start somewhere and I had this little space downstairs uh so it's this porch, you walk down the stairs, turn right, turn again, and you're in the basement. And so it was difficult to get stuff in and out of it, but it was a grand, geez, I don't know, 200 square feet. It wasn't much. It was pretty tiny. And plus there was a giant uh, furnace, one of those big octopus furnace down there, down there that was taking up a lot of space. And, uh, so I really only used half of it. I used it as as efficiently as I could, as efficiently as I could. Uh, I remember did projects, built my workbench down there, you know, not not quite like building a a sailing boat down in your basement, but uh, I did build a a bench down there that I could take apart and move one day. And I had a project for a local uh, chair manufacturer. They they were right around the corner, and they had their little shop around the corner. I think it was called Chairs, Inc. or something. And they built bar stools and restaurant furniture, nothing fancy. And they had all these offcuts. And I had introduced myself to the guy running the, running the joint over there, and 
he said, I want you to build me this tabletop. And I was reminded of this because Rogelio was over when we were talking about our podcast and the webcasts that we're doing, the online classes we're doing. And I said, yeah, I've got, you know, notes going back on all my projects. In fact, pick a year. And he picked one year in the 70s. And I grabbed my folder and opened it up to this job that I'd done for this guy over at Shares Inc. to build him a dining table out of the scraps that he had left over. So it was this, you know, mishmash of different woods, mahogany and walnut and oak and you name it, all sorts of stuff. But he wanted me to do it in a sort of a pie shape. So everything was sort of, you know, cut like slices of pie. And I told him, well, that's not going to work because the wood's going to move and it's going to split apart. And he said, no, 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 this is what I want. So uh, I built it for him and it split apart, like I told him. Um, I got 180 bucks for that, uh, for that tabletop. And Rogelio said, wow, man, that's not much. And I said, well, <laughs> back then, uh, when my landlord raised the rent on our, our little house, I was outraged. I was just outraged that he could do such a thing because he raised it from $50 to 65 I was just, that was too much. So it was a different different time and place then. And that's where we, uh, we had all our critters, including this one new new animal. So... What had happened was a new situation uh, occurred at the clinic, and my sweetie had to step in. And it seems that a lady had brought in her sick little middle-aged doggy, a little uh, cockapoo schnauzer mix named Ginger. And Ginger had a very bad back and was in pain. And there was a surgery to fix her spinal column called a laminectomy. And... This would diminish this lady's checkbook a little bit, and it didn't uh, sit that well with her. So she may she may have sighed once or twice over her decision, but in the end, she said, "Put the doggy down. Such is life. That's how it goes." Now, Ginger was otherwise a very happy and healthy little critter, friendly, uh, just wanted to get along. But clearly she was in pain, and so the vet told the lady, okay, we'll put her down, no problem. And then he went ahead and did the surgery. He, he wanted to practice. He wanted to practice the procedure. He, he knew it wasn't that dangerous uh, for the doggy. And the operation turned out to be a complete success. And Ginger woke up at the hospital and recovered and was ready for the world. Everyone was sworn to secrecy, so Ginger couldn't be seen on the local streets without repercussions or the potential of repercussions. So my sweetie had said, I'll find her home. We'll bring her to my house. We'll let her recuperate there, but then we'll find her home out of the city. The Doggy Witness Protection Program and our house was the first stop before redeployment for Ginger. Now, I had suggested a new hairdo and some glasses, maybe a cane as enough disguise to throw off most passers-by on the street. But my sweetie thought that we really needed to get the bodily evidence out of the region. Just a quick aside, I, I really do know my sweetie's name. I just won't make one up or use hers. Doggy Witness Protection Program. There's no statue name limitations here. So Ginger came to uh, recuperate with us. And she was supposed to go to the Midwest. My sweetie had a, uh, a friend back in the Midwest. 
And uh, she was going to take um, Ginger off our hands. Now, I had grown up with two breeds of dogs as a kid. Our first was a mean German Shepherd called Caesar that we kept in a pen and wanted to kill everything in sight. And eventually escaped and got shot by somebody. And then we got Duchess. And Duchess was the greatest German Shepherd. She was a sweetheart. She'd let us climb all over her pulling on her ears and nose and riding on her back like a pony. And she just took it all in. She just loved us back. Even more, never complaining, never growling at us or asking for mercy. That was a great dog. And then once she passed, uh, we got another dog, uh, which was a schnauzer cockapoo mix called, uh, my mom named her Mitzi. Great little dog. Great little doggy. I remember the the first day I had her, I got her up on my bed, which was, of course, forbidden. Petted her belly until she went to sleep. I loved that dog. She was great. We uh, we used to throw rocks for her. We had a fields in the back. It was corn some years, wheat other years. And uh, we'd take rocks and throw them into the field. Missy would go tear it in there and bring back the rock. How she could find it is anyone's guess. But she'd come back every time. Didn't do much for her teeth over the long haul, but she lasted Oh, geez, 15 years or something. So here are these two breeds. Not exactly what you would think of at once, but those are the two breeds I loved. And the more that Ginger, the recuperator, stayed with us, the friendlier I got with her. She chased a ball. She fit on my lap. Plus, she would go on the hikes, short hikes at, at first. But she would, you know, she was right there with us. She was a gamer. And so I, I did the only honorable thing that I could think of to do. I renamed her Ratso and convinced my sweetie that we could keep her hidden with this new identity and a grown-out haircut. I would practice a new bark with her, get a little tough girl accent going for her. And I don't think anyone would have suspected that she was the accomplice in a life-saving surgery. And I won the day. We welcomed Ratso into our, our home, our menagerie. Our other doggy was uh, Joe Willie, Joe Willie Jack Jackson, and he had two more names I f I'm forgetting right now, uh, who was a very hyperactive Brittany Spaniel that uh, my sweetie had saved. He would go on hikes uh, with me and lie down in a stream to cool his phantom nuts. Chilling thought, but there he was. He loved doing that. Another great dog. And, and Ratso tagged along when we started to do these hikes, loving every minute of being outdoors with me. When we went to the park close by our house as she got older, Ratso was also more than willing to protect my old sweater that I laid on the ground and told her, stay here. And then I went off to play softball or football or something, and she would protect it with her life. Her eyesight was starting to grow a little, a little weaker. So she would lie on my, on my sweater, and she'd take off your hand if you tried to grab it. So I'd have to come up to her. And let her get a whiff of me first. Otherwise, my hand was at risk, too. So she was growing old, as do we all. But she loved lying on my sweater and protecting it in the park, waiting for me. Pound for pound, she was the toughest little critter I had. She finally completely lost her eyesight. And on a walk, she would fall off the sidewalk because she didn't see it coming. Or she'd run into the curb with her short little chin. Especially if I forgot to lift her up. I had her on a leash, but if I forgot to lift her up, she'd just walk right into it, crash right into it. Poor thing. But no complaints. She was just fine to be a part of our family unit. That now was 
her, Ratzel, Joe Willie, and Whitey the Cat, another cat named Puss, a little sweetheart, and a newcomer named Fat Boy, for reasons immediately obvious upon meeting this good-natured butterball of a cat. Oh, Fat Boy, he was a good guy. Well, it was one fine summer week that we decided to go camping out at the coast. We decided there was a spot south of Manzanita. We would take the two doggies with us. And there was a large camping area. You could set up a tent and lots of uh, lots of space to walk around. And the doggies were just so excited when they smelled the ocean. Dead fish! <laughs> Dead fish ahead! Joe Willie at least saw it. But Ratso knew it was a giant playground there. On the strand with the waves crashing and the sun shining down. So we set up the tent, set up our campsite, and then walked out to this great stretch of sand and saw the great empty beach. The tide was out. No one was around. I turned the doggies both loose, took them both off leash. Joe Willie ran to the water to check it out. And Rasso took off running. She was so happy. She just took off running, doing grand 360s in the sand like she could yell yippee. And <laughs> she was having the time of her life. It was great to see. We stood back and watched her, which is when I noticed one lone post stuck crookedly into the sand. And I saw her running, and I thought to myself, she's fine. She's Look at her run. She's having such a good time. She'll be safe. One lonely post, some fence post from long ago, leaning up. Rats ran in giant, happy circles. One lone post. And Ratso scampered across the sand towards this post like a false beacon in the night, like a siren song bringing a sailor to his doom, like a cliff edge you run to but don't know it because it's hidden by your vantage point, like an abrupt left turn in your life that you just don't see coming quickly enough. Ratso ran and ran and ran straight right into that post. Knocked her back on her heels. Bam! But she picked herself up. She knew, or acted like she knew, that it was there all along. And she had just wanted to touch it with her forehead at full speed. No self-recrimination in her. Just a, another bump in the road of her life. She was happy to be at the beach. She probably hit it because she thought it was us, our, our soft legs that she was running to, not a lone, hard post. She seemed to be okay. Like me, her head was probably the hardest part of her. We gathered her up and continued on our way down to the water's edge. With that doggy, that rasso taught me a lesson. It's a lesson I'm still trying to learn. To get up, shake it off when you run into a post you never saw coming. I needed this lesson just a few days ago when I warned myself, don't do this because you're going to screw this up. And then I went ahead and did it anyway. I was trying to hang up this. Oh, I don't even want to tell you. I was trying to hang something up and I dropped it. I knew I was going to drop it. And so I was going to spread a blanket down and I didn't do it. And I broke. I was so upset. But the odds are very, very small that I'll make that mistake again, which means you should probably bet on me making it again because... I keep making these things, these mistakes. It's nothing personal. Life is just sending me another wake-up call, another reminder that I'm human, making mistakes like everyone else. 
Got to pick myself up like Ratso. Try again. Like the brave and valiant Ratso. Shake it off. That's the story of Ratso. Missed that doggy. She was a good one. Anyway, I hope you're hanging in there. Life continues to be a very strange journey these days. So do your best. Watch out for the posts. Join us for our online classes coming up. We'll have some posted on our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Here in the near future, uh, we've got some lectures coming up in November and December. And we are just starting our online mastery program, so I'm very excited about that. Anyway, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. See you down the road. Bye-bye.